by three geeky millennials. My name is Hwai Chen Bui. I'm a pop culture journalist in DC and a USA Today contributor. I'm Anya Crittenton, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. Okay, guys, so today we're talking about sequels, and not just any type of sequel, a specific type. Um, we're talking about sequels that sort of, we, I've heard them heard it used, uh, a ter- this term before, called legacy sequels, where they kind of take on the legacy of the franchise that came before it, but, but also kind of reboot the franchise, in a sense. Not exactly with, like, brand new faces and, and a brand new storyline as if the, as if they wiped out all continuity. Um, almost like, you know, uh, a lot of these sequels take place years after the old franchise kind of, like, died down, um, and now that they sort of revived it for a modern audience, uh, main examples are from, mostly from 2015, we've got, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is set 30 years after Return of the Jedi. We've got Creed, which kind of takes place both after Rocky IV, where Apollo Creed died, but also um, the other the Rocky movies that take place after that. Um, but this one, it's been 10 years since Rocky Balboa, uh, and this time it stars uh, Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed. And then we've also got Mad Max Fury Road, which, uh, even though Tom Hardy was not the original Mad Max, that was, um, oh, what's his face? Mel uh, Gibson. Mel Gibson. I was thinking Russell Crowe. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> no, um, wrong Australian. <laughs> yeah. So um, Tom Hardy is now Mad Max. Uh, and the, the move. It, it's been almost 30 years. It's I think it's been over 30 years, or nearly 30 years, since uh, Beyond Thunderdome. So... Uh, and it's kind of revived the franchise in a whole new way. I think there are also there, there were rumors about a Furiosa movie. There are rumors about another, a couple more Tom Hardy Mad Max movies. Um, even a rumor that they might do a Mel Gibson Mad Max again. Um, so is that necessary? We, nope. No, not really. Because I think Tom Hardy did a really good job. Is, um, is Mel Gibson necessary? That's he's my not question. really. No, he can no. not. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got some kind of, uh, uh, I know most of us on the Millennial Falcon podcast didn't really like Jurassic World, um, but I think that it's eh. still kind of, it, it's in this category of a legacy sequel because they tried to honor the the franchise that came before, but also setting up a new one. So I just want to talk about these movies, guys, and like what you think, you know, this trend of these of these. Uh, legacy sequels like what do you guys think of them um i think it is interesting now that you've pointed it out that they're all kind of 30 years after the last movie in the franchise so uh creed was i think 30 years after the last rocky movie no well actually that's a lie because there was rocky balboa which was like in 2002 um yeah. but like the most well-known like the bulk of the Rocky movies were, like, in the 70s and the 80s. And when, the, when the movies were at their hype, yeah, or yeah, at the height exactly. of power. Yeah, uh, Mad Max, 30 years after, Star Wars, 30 years after. Um, so I wonder if, like, there is this sort of nostalgia for that decade and the content that was coming out of that decade, um, and we're just kind of revisiting that. But I do like that these movies are kind of bringing these really beloved franchises back to a modern audience as well as um, 
creating creating them for that new audience. Like they bring back the beloved actors and stories and stuff, um, so that we have that nostalgic element. But we also have stories that can stand alone by themselves. Like Force Awakens, I a lot of people would argue that they're stronger for the new cast members and the new characters more so than the than Han and Luke and Leia. Yeah, yeah I feel like a lot of this uh, relies. Not entirely, but a large chunk uh, in due part to nostalgia. Um, And it does make me question sometimes, not to, like, be a downer about these, but sometimes it makes me question about, uh, I guess, kind of the intention behind them. Yeah. Um, In terms of, like, why bring them back? Uh, Because, and I feel, I feel, you know, it comes down to that question of, like, if there is a story to tell, like, a good solid story to tell, then perhaps there's a reason to uh, keep this story going and bring it back even 30 years later. Um, Is it enough to just say, oh, well, we really loved this franchise and we just wanted to bring it back, Um, which is part of what I feel Jurassic World did and why it didn't work. Um, It felt like a cash grab, yeah. It did feel like a cash grab, and I think there's a a large part of that is because Jurassic World... I mean, Jurassic World didn't work for me for a lot of reasons. (laughs) For me, Um, too. (laughs) Yes. um, One of the biggest being uh, blatant sexism, but Mm -hmm. that is not really part of the Legacy Equal discussion. But I think another part is that it felt like it was so much just like, here's a throwback to Jurassic Park, here's a throwback to Jurassic Park, and it felt not like it was trying to tell like a new story, but that it was just trying to be like, man you guys really love Jurassic Park. Like, here's all these throwbacks. It was a throwback yeah. and also was trying to be bigger and better. And eventually the final climactic fight was just, it just felt like, you know, Mothra versus Godzilla. It was just like, oh, look at these giant monsters we can throw together and who cares about the humans in the end. It didn't yeah. feel deserved. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Like, I'm going to point out two moments in Jurassic World and The Force Awakens that are very similar in nature. So in Jurassic World, there's a point where the little the two kids, the guys, um, they go and they find the old uh, Jurassic Park control center. Oh, that's and they and they find the yeah, and they find the jeep <laughs> from the original movie. They find the jeep from the original movie, and there's this moment of kind of like the camera pauses on the on the on the Jeep and it kind of zooms in and you see the Jurassic Park logo and it's, it's really forced to make you be like, remember this, remember this movie from 1993 that you really, really loved and now your kids are going to love it too. So it was, it really kind of was forced and it seemed really like at that point they were just kind of digging into the nostalgia and the force mm-hmm. awakens. There's a lot of these moments, but I think the, the force awakens, does it excellently well. There's a scene where Ray and Finn are running away from TIE fighters on the deserts of Jakku. And they're talking about taking a ship to get off planet. And Finn uh, recommends one ship that's off screen. And she's like, and Ray's like, no, that ship's garbage. We're going to go for this quad jumper. The quad jumper gets blown up. And then Ray says, the garbage will do. And the whip pans left of screen to the Millennium Falcon, not the Millennial Falcon, the Millennium (laughs) Falcon. And I remember the first time in that, in seeing that on screen with the little uh, musical flair of like the, of the A New Hope theme, uh, 
that little moment, like, I was brought to tears just from seeing that ship. And I think that they did it in, in such an interesting and comical way, but also poignant that the Millennial, the Millennium Falcon's always kind of been talked about as garbage, and it's kind of weird. Um, but I just think that the way that they, they filmed those two scenes kind of, like, encapsulates the difference between the two films. Jurassic World really forced you to, like, dig into the nostalgia, where I think Star Wars The Force Awakens kind of tried its best to keep it in-universe, in almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, I think my favorite of the legacy sequels of 2015 was definitely Creed, more so than even The Force Awakens, because I thought Creed's the best job of both giving this parallel of, like, the first Rocky movie, the underdog melodrama that had um, the main character kind of coming up into this fight that he was definitely not prepared for, but um, had a lot of pressure going into. And it brought it to the modern age in a way that um, Force Awakens and Jurassic World definitely did not. Um, It didn't ever feel like ham-fisted in its like attempts at nostalgia. Everything felt very organic. Um, Rocky acting as the mentor felt organic because it was Adonis Creed's... Um, Adonis Creed was the main character and Rocky was his father's friend and he wanted to follow his father's footsteps at the same time he didn't want to completely um, end up on that same path and Rocky was very aware of that. And it kind of, for me, it felt like... It, a great first, a great original story at the same time as being this great um, callback to the legacy that was the Rocky franchise. I, th- I think I think Creed um, definitely works as one of the best films of this type of sequels um, because I think that it was not a cash grab at all. Um, it was a, it was mm-hmm. pitched by Ryan Coogler um, because he was actually inspired to to write the film after. Uh, his father went through a bout of cancer, mm. um, and he he wanted to make a film like for his father essentially, um, and then he and he brought it to uh, St- Sylvester Stallone, and this is the first Rocky film that Sylvester Stallone didn't write or direct, um, and it was I mean, it's not even a Rocky film at that if you I mean it's more of a, it's a Creed film that's what it is it's mm-hmm. Creed, um, and I think that you know whereas you can look at some of the of the films that. Um, some of these legacy sequels that kind of come around and you're not sure why, like um, Indiana Jones 4, I don't think anyone ever expected, I mean, I think everyone was always like, yeah, it'd be cool to have another Indiana Jones movie, um, but there was never like this, I don't think there was ever like a, like a, like a fervent desire or, on or in the fandom for like a new movie, um, uh, especially with with I mean with Harrison Ford and aging, I don't think people thought he could have done an an, an action movie of of an Indiana Jones caliber again. Um, mm-hmm. And we could talk about the the faults of some of these uh, legacy sequels that come around too. Um, well, and uh, now we're getting Indiana Jones five. So whether or not you wanted more Indiana Jones, you're getting them. Also, yeah, Harrison true, Ford is back too. <laughs> also, I wanted to say real quick. Just to put out my controversial opinion, because I love putting this one out there, I do mm-hmm. not think that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is any worse than Temple of Doom. Oh. I actually might say that Temple of Doom is worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Interesting. I definitely don't like There's Temple my... of Doom. I definitely don't like Temple of Doom. 
Yeah, I mean, Temple of Doom is the weakest awful. of the original three. <laughs> it's awful. And I don't think it's, like, better than Crystal Skull, honestly. Even with the reveal of the aliens? Was... Even with the reveal of the aliens. Even with Kate Blanchett's terrible, like, Russian accent. Like, even with all of it, I think that Temple of Doom is on par with how bad they both are. I think oh. Temple of Doom also has a lot of problems uh, culturally. Oh, that, definitely. Um, definitely oh, yeah. Should that definitely need to be addressed that I think that, you know, they hopefully Indy five, uh, kind of get, you know, they're going to be in the sixties at that point. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, interesting dilemmas that hair, that old Indiana Jones is going to be put into in the 1960s. Um, so, and then, but then we've got films like Tron legacy, um, and Which has legacy in the title. <laughs> it has legacy in the title, and honestly, I've been wanting to talk about Tron Legacy for a while because I think it's a, a really interesting film because uh, it it takes basically the evolution of computer technology from the first movie, um, like the computer the computers in the movies are always kind of like they're uh, more advanced than the te- than the actual time periods that the movies take place in. So in 1982, you get computers that are much, you know, I mean, in, to our standards, they're, they're really poor. Um, and the graphics look terrible. Um, and in Tron legacy, the same computers have evolved to like really great graphics and whatnot. Like the world itself is much more, you know, look, it looks more like our world. And like, there was an evolution in within the computer universe, um, and, the, um, but I think that the story they told got a little bloated. Um, and I feel like, um, they, they definitely like the, de- the best part of that, of that movie is definitely the Daft Punk soundtrack that went with it. Um, oh, yeah. I think th- and Andy Serkis is, uh, was it Andy Serkis? No, it was no. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Sheen. That's sorry. Michael Sheen's cameo. Oh yeah. my god, I was going to say Michael Sheen is like the best actor in that film. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely he definitely is. Like Jeff Bridges is totally phoning it in. Um and I think that the movie showcases the computer graphics much more than anything else. Um so I, and it, it's interesting that the film is almost like a technical um a technical legacy sequel if anything um because it kind of it improves literally on the quality of the first movie uh technically wise. Mm-hmm. Um uh, whereas I do find Tron to be a really interesting film because it was that an- the animation was, uh, except for a couple of scenes, all the light that's on all their suits is uh, hand drawn. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's like it's if you if you look it up in Wikipedia, it's technically a mixed film of live action and, and animation. Uh, really, I didn't where, know that. I mean, and you can tef- you can technically say that's the, the the same case with Tron Legacy because computer animation is animation at this point. But back then, they couldn't even get um, the if they couldn't submit anything to the to the Academy because the Academy wouldn't recognize it as a live action film. Oh yeah. Um. um so. So Tron and Tron Legacy, I think that's really interesting because it was one of the first real big blockbuster franchise seek long long awaited quote unquote long awaited sequels um and unfortunately we're not going to get a tron 3 because oh what film bombed and then they didn't get they didn't think that they were going to make a tron 3 uh some some 
there was a Disney film that didn't do well recently that um, then kind of killed off oh, any hopes for... Oh, you mean Tomorrowland? For... Yes, it was Tomorrowland. Oh, I forgot so the... about that movie. So Tomorrowland is like a, like a little stain on my heart because I championed it so hard, and I believe in so much of what it was trying to do, and I believe so much in Brad Bird, and then Damon Lindelof came in and ruined it. Oh, Damon Lindelof, no! I mean, Damon Lindelof does that in every movie he writes. Let's but be real. I believe in him because of Lost, but nah, he doesn't make it easy. I believe in him because of Lost, but not for movies, because he always yeah. ruins the third act. Speaking of Damon Lindelof and movies, uh, he he did another um, legacy sequel, Prometheus. Although that's technically a prequel, isn't it? It is. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I it, it falls into this weird nature of, like trying to reboot a franchise and i guess technically it did because we're getting more alien movies now um Mm. but critically i don't think it it didn't do well um it did okay yeah so like what do you guys think of the movies that kind of try their best but not succeed in what they're trying to do with these like rebooting of a franchise like superman returns definitely didn't get um sequels and um, we never thought we'd get an Indy 5, um, at least with Harrison Ford. Um, so what do you guys think? I feel like we always knew we were going to get an Indy 5, honestly. Because I feel like Indy- Indiana Jones is one of those franchises that, like, it's so beloved, um, that they were always going to return to it one day in some capacity. But I feel like some of these other titles, it's a bit more surprising, and a bit more uncertain, I guess, of their futures. Yeah. I honestly feel like a lot of them bombed because they did feel like more obvious cash grabs. Um, yeah. A la, like, Jurassic World. Um, and I feel Even like... Jurassic World didn't bomb. Yeah, all. it didn't bomb at all. Yeah, that's true. But creatively, it bombed. For me and Anya. And I'm sure plenty of yes. other critics. Um, I do feel like the the concept, like, label of being a sequel does hinder a movie's creative capacity in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that, because I love Creed so much, and I will champion Creed as much as possible, uh, that sequels and franchises should go the way of Creed and create original stories at the same time as paying homage to the original franchise. But don't lean on them as much as possible. So... See, that's why I really liked uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Now, I'm not sure that I can legitimately say that it's, like, my favorite of last year, only because I've never seen any of the original Mad Max movies. So, like, can I say that it's my favorite mm-hmm. legacy sequel, even though I've never seen the originals? I don't know. But I can say that it, out of the ones we're talking about, while Star Wars is very close to my heart, um, much closer than Mad Max ever will be, um, Mad Max, uh, got me invigorated in this universe that I've never stepped foot in before. And I think what you're saying, HT, Mad Max Hero did really well, because mm. it worked so well on its own that I didn't feel like I was hindered by the fact that I had never seen any of the original Mad Max films. Oh, I definitely agree with you. Um, Mad Max, very much. having only seen the first Mad Max, which is a very different movie. Uh, fun fact, it started off as an Australian exploitation film, but then they kind of turned it into a dystopian uh, post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, so it kind of has that weird, skeezy feeling to it at the same time. Like, 
as being somewhat art house. So it's a very strange film. Um, and Mad Max Fury Road feels very much like almost in a different universe and different characters completely. Um, it does have like the line of only being about like having Mad Max as the central character, but other than that, it's a completely different film. And yeah, again, it's like a good. It's great as a standalone film, and that's why it's so successful because it can bring in like new fans into this franchise, I guess. So the I've seen the three previous Mad Max films, and it's really interesting that you, you point out HT that the first Mad Max is a completely different film than the one we got last year, and the Road Warrior, which is the sequel, and Beyond Thunderdome, which is the third movie, they both are more much more similar to Mad Max Fury Road, um, but with like the limitations of of the budget of of his uh, of the films that he was he got um and uh mad max fury road is almost like the perfect like vision of uh george miller's mad max universe um and so we got in uh in road warrior it's after the apocalypse and mad max beyond thunderdome is a couple years after that apocalypse um, and the first Mad Max actually takes place like on the brink, like right as the as the apocalypse is beginning to happen. Society mm-hmm. is st- is still there, but it's crumbling. Um, the, and all the movies after that take place after society is crumbled, and now starting to and rebuilding in this weird, weird, weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting that you pointed that out. Um, but I definitely agree with you guys about how Mad Max. Like what Mad Max di- did in 2015, um, and I, I definitely think that out of the three we've been talking about, um, it's definitely up there with being my favorite. I think Creed, they all kind of, they're all my favorite. What am I? Who am I kidding? They're they're all they're all great. To <laughs> you me. can't discount Star Wars, Willoughby. No, that's not who you are. That's it goes against my very nature, my very <laughs> being. Um, um, and I think that you know these movies that invigorate the franchise do exactly that. Um, they take this decades old, they take these decades, decade old franchises, um, and they kind of revive them and, and bring them back to form and to like Creed is very much in line with the first Rocky movie. And the force awakens is very much in line with a new hope, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, if anything, is more in line with Road Warrior than any of the other films. Mm. Uh, and Jurassic World, while being a critical failure, I kind of half like it. Um, they tried their best to not be. They tried to tried to make it like if the park opened like a week after they they signed off on it, you know. Um, and I don't think. Um, they they tried their best to to do something that brought it back to the original film, but I don't think they they didn't succeed at all. Mm-mm. No. So I have a question for you guys. Um, do you think that this idea of the legacy sequel is only limited to franchises? We've kind of seen something similar with um, Richard Linklater's newest film, Everybody Wants Some, which is has been dubbed as sort of the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused. Uh, do you think that kind of falls in line with this whole legacy sequel thing, or do you think that's just kind of a different film altogether? Yes and no. I mean, uh, like, yes, and that it's a spiritual sequel, but, like, 
I don't know that it's in, intended to be, uh, like, a franchise sequel the way these other movies are. Like, these other movies are very explicitly, like, this is a Jurassic Park sequel, this is a, a Rocky sequel, and, like, they specifically rely on you having loved those sequels, and or those franchises, to get you to see these movies. And I'm well, not sure I that... I don't think that's actually the case, though, because I feel like... You know, like, with Creed and with Mad Max Fury Road, you don't need to have seen the other films or even have, like, known what the other films were to enjoy it. No, but I, I, I feel like, at least in marketing and such, they there was always a big... That was always a big part of it. Not mm-hmm. the entire thing, but, like, you know, I, I couldn't, like, um, hear about Creed without hearing about Rocky and Sylvester Stallone and the Rocky franchise, regardless of whether or not Creed is a great standalone film, like, that was always a big part of it. Whereas I feel like everybody wants them. Uh, I feel like... They, they, it was definitely... It, it was marketed on the poster as the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused. They very much did the same thing that these franchises are doing, where it's kind of okay. build, building on name recognition. So, um... And, like, the trailers all say, from the guy who directed Dazed and Confused. Yeah, so it's I all agree. very much like, okay. um, they tried their best to be like, remember the great movie that you saw 20 years ago? Well, the guy is doing a very similar movie, again, but with new characters, and it's set in the 80s and not the 70s. Okay. Um, <clears throat> then there you go. So, I have been proven wrong. <laughs> so I think um, that that we can kind of consider everybody wants some a Lego sequel, um, because it's, it's one of the, I mean, Richard Linklater has done a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but I think, I think if anything, this is closest to Dazed and Confused, a, a Dazed and Confused sequel that we're ever going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really enjoyed, um, Everybody Wants Some Despite Not Having Seen, uh, Dazed and Confused, sadly. I love Linklater's, the rest of Linklater's films, like the before movies, which also he kind of made un- unexpected sequels to, too. Like, the Before Sunrise... Yeah, Before Sunrise didn't really anticipate having, like, a sequel, but then he made Before Sunset and then Before Midnight. Um, I was gonna say, th- those are kind of legacy sequels, if anything. Yeah, exactly. He, 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 um, practices in, I guess, legacy sequels and sequels to life, I guess. Whatever long snapshots. Form, yeah. Long-form storytelling, if anything. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so yeah, um, just wanted to give a shout out to everybody wants some because I see, I love that movie. And oh no, it's great. It's good. yeah, Linklater is a great director. So I have a question for you guys as well. Oh, cool. So this goes into um, one of my least favorite topics in Hollywood right now, which is lack of originality. Um, I'm getting so tired of this. Like, anyone who's like, Hollywood has no ideas anymore, I'm just like, alright, I'm just going to ignore you because I hate this conversation so much right now. (laughs) Um, It's the worst, because it's like, if you hate it so much, why do you go see it and give it money? Um, You can't say you hate something and then justify why Hollywood keeps doing it. Um, But this, this does go into that whole, like, Hollywood doing a lot of things from decades ago rather than trying to put forth new franchises, which there are, you know, there are new franchises, of course, but, like, 
there is a huge thing of just callback right now and nostalgia. Do you think, how do you guys feel about that? Are you guys the type to say Hollywood's unoriginal or? No, I, mean, I definitely, I mean, Hollywood has a lot of original films and they have a lot of franchises. Um, I myself am a huge sucker for nostalgia. Um, so these movies are kind of in line with my personality. Um, whereas some people might look at another Star Wars sequel or another Rocky sequel and be like, yeah, Hollywood has no original ideas, but I don't think that's true, because like H.T. said before, Creed did very much start, almost like restarted a new franchise with an original film. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Personally... I do get a little bit fatigued sometimes with the constant callbacks and nostalgia. And while I enjoy, like, discovering sometimes these old series and seeing what Hollywood has to offer for, like, their sequels or their reboots, I am often disappointed with the results. And, like, we've been talking about this entire time, franchises are a big thing. And... As much as I am a sucker for blockbuster movies and superheroes and, like, seeing a sequel and seeing, like, this big, long story told out over several movies, I do get a little bit fatigued with just, like, these constant blockbuster films, which I feel like are blocking out sometimes the variety and diversity we used to have in the box office. Um, We talked a little bit about this in, like, our Whatever Happened to the Rom-Com episode, where movies are either extremely um, indie and low budget or very high budget and a sequel, a superhero movie, or a franchise movie. And it does, like, not upset me, but it kind of, it gets me a little bit, I don't know, bummed out, I guess, because it's just like, I do feel like the, (laughs) not the originality is gone, but it's just, it feels very much like this vicious cycle of, bringing back old ideas that were successful for a specific reason and for being, like, in a specific time period and then kind of having the shallow imitation sometimes of it. This isn't for, like, every franchise or sequel that I've ever seen, of course. Um, It just, it does feel like that way sometimes. Yeah, no, I totally get you. I feel like I get that. So here's the thing. I get the fatigue sometimes from, like, Mm -hmm. all of these, like, reboots and sequels. I mostly am just, I just hate when people complain about it, but then, mm-hmm. like, enable it. Yeah. Is my big, like, beef. But, like, I get it. And it's it's a shame, because there are a lot of really great original films in Hollywood that never quite uh, become as successful as they deserve to be. Agreed. And I don't know if it's because of a lack of marketing and a lack of awareness, or that blockbusters just tend to drown them out. Um but I wonder if there does need to be kind of a conversation about original films versus all of these, like, legacy sequels and whether or not it's uh, not harming the creativity in Hollywood, but just, I don't know. I just feel like right now it's very interesting because nostalgia kind of dominates Hollywood in a way. It definitely does. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, don't if it's great. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Like, honestly, this is, I feel like this is a big, like, almost turning point for Hollywood. It could, it could either go, I guess, the way of the um, golden age of Hollywood and the studio system 
And there was, like, this almost cleansing fire in, like, the 60s and the 70s where there was this huge creative upturn in movies, like, inspired by the French New Wave and just, like, breaking down old narrative styles and forms and completely, like, reinvigorating um, Hollywood in general. Like, you know what I'm talking about because we all studied Hollywood in the 70s together, but... Yes, we did. Like, the studio system was becoming very, like, stagnant, uh, and we saw kind of the same movies being churned out over and over again um, in the 40s and 50s. And suddenly, uh, in the 60s, there was just like this creative um, surge um, in kind of ab- inspired by French New Wave films, Truffaut, um, uh, who else am I thinking of? Godard, all those people. And we started to see all these really different films uh, that, like Taxi Driver, like. Um, network like all the president's men that changed Hollywood for the better. And I wonder if we're kind of at that same sort of, I don't know, turning point. This is kind of becoming like this big Hollywood business discussion and like kind of creative discussion. But But it's like, but these legacy sequels are providing Hollywood a lot of their business right now. So it's a natural, it's a natural discussion. It's a natural uh, discussion point. I definitely think that it, 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 it's definitely Hollywood is at a, almost not maybe not a turning point but almost a breaking point yeah because i feel like you know at one point we're we're, we're gonna hit like peak legacy sequel um and they're gonna have to like it might turn into these franchises like steven spielberg said that superhero movies are gonna they might turn into you know they're gonna go away and become do go the way of the western mm-hmm. um and i mean we've talked about this prior prior to that but i mean like it wouldn't be a bad thing if that happens because that's how that's kind of how the movie, the movie psych, you know, Hollywood has worked is that these like the genres come and go. Um, you know, in the forties, we saw a lot of film noir, um, in the, in the fifties, it was a lot of like melodramas in the sixties and seventies. It was a new type of films that broke down. They didn't pay attention to the Hayes code. They did their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were done independently. And, um, and then, and now we have, and in the nineties, there was a huge independent boom, uh, and now we, and in the 2000s, the blockbuster kind of, or the 80s, the blockbuster took over. Um, and then now it's kind of back. Um, but we're also got, we, you know, it ebbs and flows. So I definitely think that Hollywood, these Lego sequels are not going to last, but I definitely think that they're going to be here for a little bit longer. Yeah. And I think the way to combat them, I, well, I think a compromise like that, like you said, Willoughby, they're going to be here for a while. And I think a compromise to the fatigue and um, whether or not they're, they deserve to happen is do they have merits on their own or mm-hmm. are they just cash grabs and relying on nostalgia? Because, you know, Creed and Mad Max arguably were the maybe best I don't know if I want to say best made of last year in these Legacy sequels, but they certainly, I feel like, stood on their own the best. Yeah, like, and, you, you didn't see any of the previous Mad Max movies, but you still loved it. I loved Fury Road, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the compromise, is that, like, if, if you can tell original stories, but set in this world, and, you know, you can, you can kind of appeal to some of that nostalgia, but if it's, like, a really solid story on its own, which is, that's what original ideas are, then that's kind of the compromise to saying Hollywood has no ideas versus all these legacy sequels and stuff. Like, make your legacy sequels original. 
And mm-hmm. that's the yeah, and that's great. And I think that people forget that in Hollywood, movies are not made in a vacuum. Like every original no. idea is an inspired ins- is inspired by something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at the IMDb trivia of every movie ever, they always talk about you know how 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 the writer or how the director came up with the with the idea for the movie, and it most likely nine times out of ten is going to be by either seeing a previous movie or reading a Shakespeare play or seeing a Greek tra- tragedy on stage. Like something inspires someone to make something else, and that's an like original idea or not. It's that's what creativity is. Yes, completely, completely agree. agree. Yep. Um, I think that was a really great end to our discussion. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about legacy sequels, what they mean for Hollywood, movie industry? Um, I definitely think that Independence Day 2, uh, Resurgence, uh, <laughs> the subtitle is definitely, the, the subtitle definitely tells us that, you know, these type of movies are going to be here for a little bit longer. Mm. Just there's, there's going to be a resurgence of Legacy sequels. That's one of the ones that my gut tells me it might go in the way of Jurassic World in terms of relying too much on nostalgia and whether or not it's necessary, but we'll see. Oh, it's totally going to be the Jurassic World of 2016. It's going to totally be, because despite having the beauty that is Jeff Goldblum in it, they're relying on Liam Hemsworth, charmless nobody, as their main lead. Okay, I'm sorry. I have, like, he's one of my anti, like, is that I you know how it. I feel about them. that was that was fantastic uh, <laughs> um no yeah I think that's a great discussion yeah, yeah. no I'm really glad we had this discussion guys <laughs> me too all, right, all um, right let's move on to our last segment of the episode I really 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 like you uh Woo! Willoughby why don't you start us off today okay so um on Tuesday new girl had their two-part Bachelor, Bachelorette party episode where they split the the cast by the gender. Um, The first episode, the first half of the two-parter was uh, the Bachelor party, and the second episode was the Bachelorette party. Um, And it was really great because it showcased the the, the humor of of each cast member. And and it also had great jokes. It was great character development. Um, Spoiler alert for New Girl Season 5, but Schmidt and Cece are getting married. Um, So it was Schmidt's um, bachelor party, and Nick Nick is the best man, and Jess is the maid of honor. Um, And so (laughs) Schmidt and Nick and Winston and 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 the uh, groomsmen they try they, they try to go to Vegas but they don't end up there they get out to they go to some pub in the middle of the desert um, and uh, Jess and Cece uh, get high in their apartment and then go to uh, like a Bed Bath and Beyond for <laughs> that episode two... was great I love the girls oh yeah but I, oh they, it was so funny they were so funny they um, were. but what I really loved about this ep- this episode or these episodes in particular, is that it played with the form of New Girl. Because usually we have we just have one episode, and it, it's, you know, the A, B, and C plot all kind of coalescing at the same time. But uh, they kind of made it like an hour-long special, and they kind of did this interesting thing where if you watched the first episode, there were some jokes or some references that paid off in the second episode because the second episode took place at the same time. Um, so at, at one point, Jess in the second episode texts Winston and we see him receive that text in the first episode and we see why it's like a misspelled text is because she's high. 
Um, so it's really, I really liked um, what they were doing, and uh, basically, I really, 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 really like New Girl this week, um, and I'm excited for the season finale coming up, and also season six. Awesome. Yeah. Anya, what is your really like for this week? All right, so I've been laughing a lot this week, you guys. (gasps) Yay! And it's been really enjoyable, and there has been a very specific thing that has been making me laugh all week. What is it? What's been making you laugh? Female comedians. Yay! Yay! So it started mostly with my roommate has never watched Parks and Rec, and we finally started watching that on Netflix just recently, and we're in season two. Yes. And one, I'm just, like, it just, it. I love when it hits me all over again how wonderful the show is and how much it means to me, and a large part of that is due to Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope and just how wonderful she is and what a great comedian she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been happening, and that's just been making me so happy and laugh so much, um, although I can't wait for Mark Brandanowitz to leave and for Ben Wyatt to come in. <laughs> Um, to be I always forget. I always forget how long he stays on that show. Right? I was like, oh, I was like, oh he's gone by like end of season one, and then like I'm in season two, and I'm like, why is he still here? Yeah, he leaves <laughs> um, at the end of season two. Yeah, so that's been making me laugh. And then last night, I went to a Hillary Clinton Clinton event in Los Angeles. Um, not going to get political here, but. You know, there we go. Um, (laughs) And it was uh, an event called Women Stand Up for Hillary, and it was basically just female comedians who support Hillary Clinton, and they just did sets. Um, Not all of them were political. Some of them were just completely random and just life stories. Um, But I laughed the entire time, and it was amazing. Kate Walsh was the host, Um, and there were some really great... Uh, comedians Tig Notaro uh, Fortune, who plays um, uh, Nurse Colette on the Mindy Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorites, tying back to Parks and Rec, Retta. Ah! So, it, yeah, it was a great night. I laughed so much. I loved seeing all these women and how funny they are and how talented they are. And so this week, I just love female comedians. All right. Cool. Yay. All right, HT. Okay. Um, my Speaking of political, what I really, really like for <laughs> this week, it's not particularly so, but I was really excited by the South Side fu- with you trip. Yes. I'm so which, glad you brought this up. I know. Okay. I've been, I've actually been weirdly excited about this movie ever since I read the news about it premiering at, I think, Sundance, like a year ago. Um, and it's basically the movie that tells the first state of Barack and Michelle Obama uh, as they go around Chicago and go see a screening of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing and then have their first kiss over ice cream. Uh, and <laughs> so it just looks, it looks so cute. And speaking of rom-coms earlier, I just, it just looks like <laughs> a great, just cheery, fun rom-com. And, you know, despite it being about uh, the world's, the Western world leader or whatever, and Michelle Obama, who is amazing and beautiful. Uh, it just looks, it looks so quaint and fun, and um, it has kind of the same ambiance as, like I said before, a Linklater movie, where it's just like walking and talking, and talking about life and philosophy and stuff, and while you know the, where, what, 
paths these two people will go on um, and what great like political futures they have. It just seems like a nice, cheery rom-com that I feel like I've been looking for for a while now. So yes, I'm really excited agree. for it. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm excited for it, just like not just because of its subject matter, but because it just looks like a great movie, and Agreed. I'm really happy about it. Um, Although, happy, when I... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when I watched it today, I was so happy during it, like you were. Then there was this little twinge of sadness that, regardless of political leaning, I am going to miss the Obama family kind of being in my sphere so much after I'm next year. I'm going to miss them, too. Yeah. Um, Obama was, despite whatever people may think about his policies and what he actually accomplished in office, he was our for, our first, like, cool president. And Agreed. I just really enjoyed having him in office and seeing him, like, I don't know, interact with all the people and, and babies, for example. Like, that one BuzzFeed post of him just, like, being in love with babies and children. Yes. It's... Also, we're not going to have much of him and Justin Trudeau. Yeah. They're so sad. romance. <laughs> it's going to be so short-lived. It is. It is the, the shortest romance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about Southside with You. It looks like a sweet rom-com that I just would adore immediately. And, yeah, can't wait to Yay. see it. Uh, so if you guys have any thoughts about uh, legacy sequels, for example, Mad Max, Creed, Star Wars, uh, Force Awakens, if they have any thoughts about um, a female comedians, about Southside with You, about... Um, New Girl. Yours again. Yeah, New, New Girl. Girl. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having... Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a day. It's Friday. It's <laughs> let fine. Let us know on our social media. Um, where can they let us know, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there, uh, the Millennial Falcon. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We're our, we blog at millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com, and we're also on iTunes where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys? Uh, you can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dubs also on Twitter. All right. All right. Thanks for joining All right, us, guys. guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.